0: It might actually be the most derivative one of all, I mean, Christ, the same house? Maybe so, but you forgot the first rule of surviving a stab movie. Never answer the- I'm bored. Wait! back to microqueers. It's that thing where we talk about horror shorts and also sometimes do short queer horror reviews. I'm Joe.
1: <laughs> I'm Trace, and yes, we're here to bring you a mini review of a new queer horror film that's out now. So we are here to talk about Ossera the Bone Woman today.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is uh, directed by Michelle Garza Cervera and co-written by Garza as well as Abia Castillo. And, Trace, this one has been doing the festival rounds for a while, and... I'd heard of it, but hadn't seen it. And I'm curious what you think.
1: I I like this. I I confess, I felt a little stupid because, yeah, when I got this press release, I was like, I've never heard of this before. (laughs) And I was shocked to see, yeah, it's been doing the festival round since last summer and getting a pretty phenomenal reception. I mean, we're looking at a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes as of this recording
0: hmm i'll admit i'm not surprised by the positivity because when i watched it well i wasn't entirely blown away by it mm-hmm. it's really well made it's really well acted there's a couple of moments in here that are really effective there was yes. one jump scare that a hundred percent fucking got me <laughs> and i think it builds in intensity to a pretty solid climax i think the biggest critique that i have is just in parts it's a little bit slow
1: I I agree. I, I I didn't read full reviews before walking into this, but I did kind of skim some of the blurbs, and yeah, it seems that um. The, the, the pacing is a thing also people clarifying this isn't like it is a horror movie but it's more focused on the psychological aspects than it is like the scares although as mm-hmm. you said i found some of this very very creepy i mean like i'm a mm-hmm. sucker for framing so this one shot of like an overhead of um oh, like the stairwell as she's walking downstairs but then you see the creature crawl yeah. into the bedroom
0: Ooh, it's so good it's really good <laughs> Yeah. So, folks, this has been compared to films like The Babadook because it's tackling real life situations. In this case, it's postpartum and it's doing it with a psychological slash horrific bent, in which case that would be the Husera, which is a it's interesting the way that the film does and mm-hmm. doesn't clarify what it is. Like I went to look it up to see if there was a, a definition that we could use to help people understand it. It's folklore, but it seems to be like women who get pregnant, but then have a difficult pregnancy or don't connect with their babies all that well.
1: So I've got one. I, so I'm actually pulling this from Megan Navarro's review on Bloody Disgusting, but okay, it says um, La Oesera. The Bone Woman is a Mexican folktale of an older woman who wanders the desert and collects bones, often of wolves. Once she obtains all the animal's bones, she sings by the fire and brings the animal back to life. The legend often tells of revived wolves transforming into women, running free into the wild.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I definitely saw one referencing, like, wolves, and I wasn't really sure how it impacted this film because we don't have wolf imagery here
1: not at all it's very much bone imagery and good lord the sound on these bones is prevalent throughout the entire runtime
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely so folks if you have not seen this film trace and i would both recommend that you do so and it tells the story of valeria who is this middle to upper class woman she's living in mexico city she has a i think yeah it says husband on the wikipedia page named raul and they've been trying to get pregnant for a little while and when they're finally successful everyone that she knows is like valeria sweetie you're the least maternal person we know are you sure this is a good fit? Oh my
1: God. Like they just what every new mother wants to hear, or expecting mother wants to hear. Right? But, right. but Valeria also has a bit of a history and some repressed issues that she's dealing with, which of course mm-hmm. is tying into the psychology of the creature. And while I did like this film, I feel the same way about this as I did about hypochondriac last year, where it's like, okay, I I like that we're doing a lot of this stuff, and it it is queer, but it's still that whole, like, oh, our lead character may or may not be crazy, and no one believes her because she's seeing things, they think it's hallucinations because of whatever, Mm -hmm. in, in hypochondriac's case, bipolar disorder, in this case, pregnancy and postpartum.
0: Right. I think that this one is a little bit more cut and dry because in our minds, there's never any uncertainty that what Valeria is experiencing is at least very real to her. Mm -hmm. So even though everyone in her life is telling her, why do you keep talking about intruders coming into the house or seeing uh, a woman across the stairwell die by suicide seemingly? Even though everyone else seems to be doubting her because we're so closely aligned with her, I was like, yeah, no, I'm along for the ride.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree with that. And it should be noted that Natalia Solian, who plays Valeria, is a powerhouse in this role. Mm -hmm. So much of this movie is relying on her and she is in distress pretty much once we hit the 15 minute mark of this movie all the way to the end.
0: Yeah, and this is her feature debut. It's also uh, (gasps) director Michelle Garza Cervera's directorial feature debut. So it's like newbies across the board, and they're killing it.
1: I mean, that's the thing, too. I mean, from a technical standpoint, I think this film is on point. You mentioned this to me before we started recording. But yeah, the Foley work in this film is astounding. And as I said, the framing in so many of these uh, set pieces is great for me.
0: Mhm yeah cuz basically we we follow Valeria as she goes through her pregnancy it's not an easy pregnancy she loses weight before she gains it and her doctor says that she might be anemic she isn't sleeping well she's lost a lot of her appetite so she's she's basically having a very rough go of it in addition to dealing with completely unsupportive family members so Raul is very much on her side but she basically gets told by everybody, oh, this is such a weird fit for you, which is not what you want when you're, you know, looking to solidify your your foundation as you prepare to radically change your life. Because Trace, she basically gives up everything for this child.
1: Yes, yes, she does. But it's she honestly seems like she gave up a lot for a heteronormative marriage.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'll confess when I I was looking for insight just to see how other people responded to the film and the number of reviews that don't even touch on the queerness, you know, so we do get flashbacks to Valeria when she's a younger punk rock teen and she's got a very close friend and I'm using friends incredibly sarcastically (laughs) because she is in love with Octavia. She and Octavia are sneaking off for kisses and cigs and when things go badly for Valeria in her adult life, the person she turns to is not Raul. It is adult Octavia. And, like, they're fucking, which really confused me in all these reviews where i'm like why are we using the word friend why are we not saying lesbian or bisexual well very confused
1: i wonder if it's because that happens about 40 minutes into the movie when we get the flashback to their teenage years and so Mm. i wonder if that was like delving too far into spoiler territory right to where we're like oh we don't want to mention it because it's not really i guess it is kind of revealed that yeah she has a a female lover out there that she was with and abandoned as a teenager because she was trying to stick with her family and go go by tradition right and so yeah i just wonder i mean i get it because i I think that's important to know about this movie but again Mm -hmm. it is kind of a midway reveal
0: right you know what you are being very generous and i applaud you for that i guess (laughs) from my perspective when i was looking at the film and i i even read in interviews with garza servera they were very much setting out to use the film to tackle non-traditional families. Like, basically, what does it cost you to have this quote-unquote perfect life where you've got the husband, you've got the fancy condo in downtown Mexico City, mm-hmm. and now you've got a baby. And the reality is is that uh, for Valeria, this is fantasy. Like, even her family calls her on it. They say, you know, you traded up and you kind of left us behind. Like, you never come home, you never babysit, you're not really a great member of this family and i think part of this is because valeria felt like she couldn't be true to who she really is which is a queer woman who more or less traded up and compromised on who she really is
1: but yet though this life that she has is still smothering her as we will see Mm -hmm. that it literally smothers her in the climax of this film
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah i feel like you want to talk about some of these set pieces because they are pretty good so uh why don't we talk about the suicide that she witnesses because that's sort of the first big one where you're like wait what
1: well i guess yeah a it's stunning because we see the person and i say person in quotes because it's very much a faceless figure of the with La- mm-hmm. Sarah um but her reaction is fantastic but then, yeah we, we get this shot of the body crumpled on the ground as Mm -hmm. it just starts twitching
0: (laughs) yeah it it reminded me a little bit of things like juan where Mm -hmm. we're seeing like it's almost like contortiony and lots of neck twists and then as you said that foley work is incredible like the bone sounds are so all-encompassing in this movie and it's really great because valeria herself has a tendency to fall back on cracking her knuckles when she gets tense or uh anxious so it it really associates her with the bone woman who is plaguing her
1: well, and I'm sorry, I know we're talking about the set pieces, but even just pulling back a bit, like, what, what I like about what is on the surface, like a typical haunting film, I guess, or maybe even partially a possession film, maybe, mm-hmm. but, like, attachment from last time, like, I, we were learning about Jewish culture, and it's kind of like throwing a Jewish twist on the possession film, right. I like that we then have this Mexican twist, because again, I'm not super familiar with Mexican culture and folklore, and so this is all mm-hmm. new to me, and I am... I find all of it fascinating. So I, I love, at the very least, that we're getting all of these horror films from different cultures that are making their way to the States that are like deviating from the norm, from these normal mm-hmm. horror tropes.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where your example of hypochondriac is a good example because that's from a North American perspective because it was set in, I want to say Los Angeles, if I remember correctly, but that was through like a Hispanic perspective, right? Because our main character right but right but it's
1: i guess it's kind of steeped in the but, but compared to Oesera, like this is steeped in mexican culture
0: mm-hmm. yeah i mean one of the things that i really liked is that there is one family member on valeria's side and that is her lesbian aunt mm-hmm. who is described as a spinster which i loved
1: oh the whole time i was like she a lesbian come mm-hmm.
0: on <laughs> and it's so cute when she sees her with a girlfriend of some kind of uh street fair market kind of thing and yeah. you're just like look at them they're adorable valeria
1: this is what you could have with octavia but that's the thing though right because is it clear that her family knows she's a lesbian or is it, it's like oh that's the secret like, yeah she is that way but we don't talk about that because again exactly. queerness yeah. isn't exactly held in high esteem in mexican culture
0: <laughs> no no But one thing that the ant does provide her is this connection to an exorcist, and I love that this is not an exorcism in the way that we would expect from, like, a Conjuring universe or the actual film The Exorcist.
1: It's a brujeria!
0: Which, Mm -hmm. Which doctor yeah and and even that though i find it was almost understated like i was convinced we were going to get something with like tons of spinning camera work and blah 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 blah. and instead it's almost like a low-key exorcism where it's like okay we're just going to put you through a little bit of this ritual we're going to get you to stand in the circle and (laughs) then the the visual imagery of what valeria sees is upsetting but even that it's not like super done up with special effects and that kind of stuff. Well, what I liked about this is
1: so much of what we see in uh, exorcism scenes. It's all external, right? We see mm-hmm. what is going on outside where we don't get to be in the headspace of the actual possessor. Like the exorcist, we're not right. in Regan's head seeing what she's seeing. We are with the priest the whole time. Mm-hmm. Well, Sarah takes the opposite approach and we in turn, we go into Valeria's head with her and we are with we are in the fight with her, not the brujerias that are helping her do this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to set the scene, it's like she's basically lost in this kind of mortal combat forest (laughs) with like (laughs) different kinds of pathways. And she starts to see creepy contortionist figures. But like, they're all naked they've got broken bones and different wounds on them they're so baseless but like you can you can tell that there are kind of a mix of genders but they they move almost as one even though they're separate bodies and they envelop her to create almost this mountain of flesh
1: yes and i will say that this the image of this is Mm -hmm. on one of the posters for this film yeah
0: which i I got really mad at i was like do not spoil your fucking finale on the poster (laughs)
1: So unfortunately, if y'all watched this, you're like, "Oh, damn! That, that yeah that, that 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 that's what it is." But mm-hmm. she comes out of it okay,
0: well-ish. I mean, ish. she comes out of it with clarity. I think yeah before we talk about the ending because Mm -hmm. i think you and i were like yeah it's okay and then we got to the ending and we were both really surprised at what Mm -hmm. happens i do want to talk about the scene that to me is the strongest in the film oh so valeria has been having difficulty sleeping even after she delivers the baby and she lays down in bed and she's got the baby monitor on the bedside table and the baby will not stop crying even Mm -hmm. though she's trying to sleep and then we see her get up and then we just hold on the baby monitor and we see her pick up the baby on the monitor and then she disappears out of frame and we hold and we hold and the baby stops crying and then valeria comes back to bed and she falls asleep and we can tell that time has passed And then Raul calls her and she's like, oh, okay, yeah, you're coming home. Everything's fine, blah, blah, blah.
1: (laughs) And she's like, wait, where's the baby?
0: (laughs) Where's the baby? So she goes to this crib. Baby's not there. She looks around the house. Baby is not there. Trace, I. Fucking thought we were going to do a dead baby here.
1: I thought so, too. And, you know, we don't quite get that. But the reveal of what I mean, the, again, the tension in this, because, mm-hmm. as, yeah, movies don't kill babies and, and no. movies don't have mothers not want their babies, um, mm-hmm. at least
0: by the end of the film. And so, yeah, what, what where is this baby, Joe? The baby is in the fucking fridge. It is still alive, which I was like, mm-hmm, OK. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the baby is alive, but it was in the fridge that whole time. And it is. Like, the wave of emotions I had. You and I are very publicly on record that we don't have an interest in having children ourselves. Yep. We don't hate kids.
1: <laughs> I don't want all kids to die.
0: <laughs> we, we don't want them to die unless the movie is trying to say something about stakes. And it's like... I really thought that this could have gone either way, and I was happy that she didn't because the film would have taken a very different path if she had have inadvertently murdered her child here. But it's still
1: very upsetting, and I would love oh, to yeah. also hear what our parent viewers thought of this scene specifically, uh, mm-hmm. because I would also imagine it probably not that you've actually put your baby in a fridge, but like you know, you have an irresponsible moment where you're like, "Wait, fuck, where's the baby?"
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh sure, yeah, and and that to me is why this film does work as well as it does because. If you want to look at it as this is magical postpartum, it's there. If you want to look at it as she's being plagued or possessed by this creature, it's also there. But I think just the way that parents respond when they have newborns, it's like, you are not in your right mind because you are not eating. You are not sleeping. Your whole life has been upended. Like She had a very happy life where she was just making what looked like gorgeous handmade furniture. And she had to give it all up so that she could have this fucking kid, which she seems like she's not even certain she wants at this point. And then, yeah, it's like in a moment of disorientation because you haven't slept, you put your baby in the fridge.
1: Well, okay, so then let's bridge that then to the resolution for this movie, which Mm -hmm. everyone, we have a movie that ends with a new new mother uh, rejecting. Maybe that's too harsh for a word, but rejecting her child and her husband and going off to
0: find herself. Hmm. yeah she walks away from her life like i thought that we were gonna send her to some kind of wellness center yeah there's every indication she could be going to meet octavia up in the mountains despite the fact that they had a spat earlier but yeah the end of the movie has valeria packing her bags and just walking away from her husband and her child and every indication is like maybe she'll come back and maybe she won't the movie isn't interested in telling us but at this moment she is saying no to this life
1: and i expect this ending to be controversial because i think some people are going to really take issue with this decision
0: Mm-hmm. how dare you
1: i, I this was a good for her ending for me <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean everything in this movie is telling us that this is not a good fit for her no. and psychologically the movie has been telling us she's falling apart trying to keep this going but, but and again like granted am i saying
1: like oh yeah leave that baby like uh, no. obviously it sucks for that baby like this baby now hasn't a ab- uh, gonna have a issues issues the rest of its life mm-hmm. um and so it's really irresponsible on Valeria's part, but again, I think that's where the film's commentary on societal pressures, cultural pressures to be quote-unquote normal and the things mm-hmm. you will do to fit into the into normality come into play here. And I think if you're any kind of minority, be, be it Mexican, be it a queer person, be it a woman, mm-hmm. uh, I think you'll find some understanding in this decision.
0: Yeah, I mean, this movie, I think, is very critical of the way that other people talk about parenting and how we all have an idealized version of what motherhood and being a parent is like the moment that Valeria goes to babysit for her older sister's kids, and they're absolute fucking monsters. (laughs) And then she thinks that someone is breaking into the house. So she drags them upstairs and locks them in a room. And then her sister flips her shit Ugh. on Valeria because she's like look at what you did to my daughter and the the boy has a sprained ankle and valeria's like i thought that they were in danger and her sister has no respect nope. doesn't feel bad about yelling at her at all and you're just like you're a bad parent. Your kids are shit. Yeah, her kids suck. Like, see, I I'm shocked she didn't
1: slap that little boy. Like, I oh. would have thrown him across the
0: room. <laughs> like, good for you, <laughs> moments. Good for her <laughs> moments. I wanted her to like smack some shit into these kids. I
1: know, I know, I know. But yes, yeah, so, I mean that. That's where we end this movie. And again, mm-hmm. like, I, while I, I am mildly positive on the, I'm sorry, mildly po- it's a 3 out of 5 for me because I didn't like fully connect with this emotionally. At while at the same time liking everything I was seeing and this ending really sealed the deal for me. Like you just mm-hmm. don't see something like this in mainstream cinema. So I'm happy we got this out, out of a shutter release.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm in agreement with you you know i i think it's really well done i think this actress this director are ones to keep an eye out for i feel like we say that about a lot of first-time features and but we're having a lot of them. because people are doing really good shit on their first go
1: well, and we're getting so many more first-time features from new directors doing their own thing and i mean shit yay horror everybody again
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's one of the few genres that allows people to do an interesting creative project that feels intimate, uh, but is also being like distributed on a broad platform.
1: Yeah, yeah, but yeah. um, but yeah, that is Weserah, the Bone Woman. Everybody, uh, yeah. So this is on VOD now, but if you can't catch it now, it will be on Shutter later this year. So um, yeah, keep an eye out for it. But until then, we can cross out
0: Weserah, the Bone Woman. Indeed, and cross out my grow queers we're gonna we're gonna figure out we'll figure it out but yeah yeah for now process out